Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, beginning at verse number 9 through verse number 11. If you found it, say amen. I want to say that we're glad to have Devin back home. He just come back in. God, well, Devin's been out in the state of Washington for a couple of months. I'm glad to have him back home today. Amen. Glad that he was able to go and enjoy himself, but glad to have Devin home. 1 Corinthians 6 and 9, if you found it, say, praise the Lord. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Now look, this list is not popular. Well, the, the, the actions are popular with the world. But the fact that we preach against these things, it's not popular with the world. But nonetheless, it's in the Bible. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But ye are washed. But ye are sanctified. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. And by the Spirit of our God. Look at somebody and tell them, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Look at somebody else and tell them it's in the name of the Lord Jesus. I have the best title that I've ever had for a sermon in my entire life. I've been preaching since I was 17 years old. It's a long time ago. 34 years or so. And I have today the best title for any sermon that I've ever preached. And if you don't believe me, I've got like 1,600 of them in my iPad. I'll preach them all starting right now. But this is the best title I've ever had for any sermon in all of my life title of this sermon is Jesus. Can't get any better than that. How many love Jesus? How many need Jesus? How many came to worship Jesus? Oh God, it's all about you. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise this morning. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Brothers and sisters, heaven is a holy place. The Bible says that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. It says, be not deceived. Don't be tricked. Don't let, don't let culture, don't let pundits, don't let false religion, don't let 
atheism. Don't let the spirit of the age deceive you. Neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, abusers of themselves with mankind, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners, none of these shall inherit the kingdom of God. That's the word of God. I know that some things on that list are being pushed by our modern culture, but the Bible says that none of them shall inherit the kingdom of God. And the Bible said, and such were some of you. Brothers and sisters, we were all sinners lost without hope, held by sin's dread sway, bound by the God of this world and the trappings of this life. But the apostle said, but now ye are washed. I'm thankful to be washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't want to lose my wonder at being born again the Bible way. I don't want to forget how good it is to be washed from sin, sanctified and justified. Amen. And Paul said it happened in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Brothers and sisters, it was Jesus that set us free. It was Jesus that broke the bondage of sin. It was Jesus that delivered us from the grip of hell. Can I tell you this morning that I have been under conviction now for several weeks, not just necessarily personally and not just for this particular church, but for our movement in general, that we love to preach about what Jesus can do. And we love to preach about what Jesus can give. And we love to preach about the joy and the peace and about worship and about all the stuff that comes with our Pentecostalism. But we don't preach about Jesus as much as what we preach about what Jesus can do. I'm here to preach about Jesus today. Without him, nothing else matters. Without him, nothing good can happen. Without him, there is no deliverance and there is no washing and there is no sanctification. If you're free today, you're not free because a choir sang or a preacher preached. You're free because Jesus died on a cross and shed that blood for me and for you. This is all about Jesus. I don't want to get more excited about singing about what Jesus can do than I get excited about what Jesus and who Jesus is. I don't want to get so excited preaching about the things that Jesus gives that I can't get excited about who Jesus is. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. He's my King. He's my rock. He's Jesus. He's everything to me. Amen. Brother Ethan, I love that song that you that you played a couple of Sunday mornings ago. It's an old song. I know you played it in a new way, but it's an old song. It's all in Him. Oh, hallelujah. Did you feel when the Holy Ghost moved in that, if you were here that Sunday, you felt when the Holy Ghost moved in when we preached about it being all in Jesus. There's nothing like the name of Jesus Christ. You were sanctified, not by not by a preacher, 
Not by the water of the baptistry. It was by the name of Jesus that was called when you went down. Amen. I wish somebody praised the name of Jesus right now. It was Jesus that set you free. It was Jesus that broke the bondage of sin. Can y'all hear me right now? It was Jesus that delivered you from hell's grip. When you were bound, Jesus walked into your life. When you were broken, Jesus walked into your life. When you had no direction, Jesus. Somebody ought to call his name right now. Amen. My monitors are a little low. I don't know if y'all can hear me good out there or not, but I can't hear me good. It might be my ears. I don't hear hardly hear anything good anymore. In the study of theology, in the study of God, you often, or really in any kind of science, you find the suffix ology, O-L-O-G-Y, is commonly used to denote a field of study. And so when you talk about biology, you're talking about the study of life. When you talk about geology, you're talking about the study of the earth's structure and composition. When you talk about psychology, you're talking about the study of the mind. Several years ago, a Duke University professor of theology wrote a book about the modern Pentecostal movement. And he titled the book, Heaven Below. In this book, he talked about the, the early modern Pentecostals. And, uh, and I, I call it the early modern Pentecostal movement. I made that term up myself because when they talk about early Pentecostals, you can't talk about early Pentecostals and only talk about the last 120 years or so because the early Pentecostals started in Acts chapter number 2. And there's always been Pentecostals from then till now. So when I talk about the early modern Pentecostal movement, I'm talking about the movement that led up to the, the Holy Ghost outpouring on Agnes Osmond on New Year's Day in 1900 in Topeka, Kansas, and that spread throughout the Midwest and down into Houston, Texas, and then found its modern footing at Azusa Street in Los Angeles, California, in a revival in the early 1900s. People that study religion... They say that Pentecost started there. That is not the truth. Pentecost did not start there. It became popular starting there. But Pentecost started in the upper room in the book of Acts, chapter number 2. Amen. Be that as it may. Be that as it may. Grant Wacker wrote in his book, Heaven Below. He wrote about the early modern Pentecostal movement. And he spoke of something that he called primitivism. What he called the primitive impulse of Pentecostalism was, quote, a desire to return to the first things, to the original things, to the fundamental things. He, the historian for the Assembly of God, Edith Blumhofer, she called it restorationism. They correctly asserted that the modern Pentecostal movement was not inventing a new religion, but restoring an ancient religion. Amen. Author Kenneth Archer, he said, quote, the prime focus of Pentecostalism was on Jesus as the source of salvation, sanctification, healing, 
and spirit baptism. Amen. Let me just read that again to you. The prime focus of Pentecostalism was on Jesus as the source of salvation, sanctification, healing, and spirit baptism. Kenneth Archer wrote in his book, he called this focus on Jesus by Pentecostals. He, co- he called it, quote, Jesusology. Not theology, not biology, not, not any other kind of ology. He called it Jesusology because it's all about Jesus. Brothers and sisters, friends and guests, on this Labor Day weekend of 2022, I've come to proclaim that regardless of everything else that the church might be, what preaching might be, what worship might be, in the, at the very core, it must all be about Jesus. Jesus is the center of the church. Jesus is the center of my worship. Jesus is the center of my praise. Jesus is the center of my holiness. Jesus is the center. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about healing. It's not about miracles. It's not about signs. It's all about, say his name. It's not about healing, but when Jesus is preached, healing happens. We had anybody here ever healed by the power and the hand of God? Look around this place. Jesus is a healer. Jesus is a miracle worker. Jesus is a way maker. Jesus is a door opener. Jesus is peace in the storm. He's joy in the midst of trouble. He's the answer to your question, the solution to your problem. It's all. I wish I had some Jesus people in the house. This is not theology. This is not eschatology. This is not pneumatology. This is not soteriology. This is Jesusology. Jesus is the reason we're here. He's the heart mender. He's the one that got you out of the bar room and put you in a church house. He's the one that took you out of a drug house and put you on a pew and filled you with joy. He's the one that replaced your desire for this world with a hunger for his holiness. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. There's never been and never will be anyone like Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus took his disciples on a 16-mile walk in Matthew chapter number 16. He took them to a place called Caesarea Philippi, and here is the dialogue. The Bible said in verse 13, when Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? What are people saying about me? And they said, verse 14, and they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist. Some say Elias. And others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Jesus was interested in what others said about him. But what others think about him 
is not your greatest concern. Verse 15, he saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Well, he's my Sunday morning ritual. Well, he's the one I call on when I pray for my food. He's the one I call when I'm in trouble and I don't know what else to do. No, no, no. He said, who do you say that I am? Not who am I to someone else, but who am I to you? Not who is Jesus to the Jews or the Romans or to Hollywood or the politicians or to the denominations, but who is Jesus to you? Not to your mom and dad, not to grandma and grandpa, not to the preacher and the pastor, but who is Jesus to you? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ. You are my Savior. You're my Messiah. You are my everything. Can I tell you, it's good if your mama loves Jesus, but who is he to you? It's good that your church just loves Jesus, but who is he to you? I'm going to tell you what he is to me. He's my everything. He's all that I live for. He's all that I need. He's everything. I said he's everything to me. I've come to worship Jesus. I've come to be in church with you, but I've come really to worship him. I've come to fellowship with you, but more than that, I've come to fellowship with the one that picked me up out of my sin, that picked me up out of my life and turned my life around for him. It's Jesus. Amen. I, I tried. I tried to uh, to adequately. I tried to come up with good words this morning, and uh, and and all my mind could do is go back to one of the greatest sermons that I, in my opinion, has ever been preached. It was preached in the last century by a preacher by the name of R. E. Bayer or Robert Bayer. He preached a message. You can go listen to it online. Not now. But it's titled, The Incomparable Christ. And if I may, it took me a lot of time a few weeks ago. But I transcribed a portion of his message. Can I quote him for you today? Now that I've given him proper, proper uh, recognition and attribution, can I quote him now? Here's what Robert Bayer said now about 40 years ago. He said nearly 2,000 years ago, there was a man born contrary to the laws of life. This man lived in poverty and was reared in obscurity. He did not travel extensively. Only once did he cross the boundary of the country in which he lived. He possessed neither wealth nor influence. His relatives were inconspicuous and had neither training nor formal education. In infancy, he startled a king. In childhood, he puzzled doctors. In manhood, he ruled the course of nature, walked upon the waves as pavement, and hushed the sea to sleep. He healed the multitudes without medicine and made no charge for his services. He never wrote a book, yet all the libraries of the world could not hold the books that contained his works. He never wrote a song. Yet he is the theme for more songs than all songwriters combined. 
He never founded a college, but all schools together cannot boast of having as many students as he. He never marshaled an army, drafted a soldier, or fired a gun, yet no leader has ever defeated more enemies. Hallelujah. He never practiced psychiatry, yet he's healed more hearts than all the doctors far and near. Every seven days, the wheels of commerce pause while millions wind their way to churches to pay homage to the, and respect to him. The names of past proud statements, statesmen of Greece and Rome have come and gone. The names of past scientists, philosophers, and theologians have come and gone. The names of past athletes, actors, and socialites have come and gone. The names of past generals, warriors, and soldiers have come and gone. The names of presidents and kings and sultans and czars have come and gone. But the name of this man abounds more and more. What's his name? Through 2,000 years has passed between now and the mockers at his crucifixion. He still lives. His enemies could not silence him. Herod could not kill him. Satan could not seduce him. Death could not destroy him. And the grave could not hold him. His name is Jesus. Can I quote him some more? He stands forth on the highest pinnacle of heavenly glory, proclaimed of God, adored by angels, feared by devils, as the risen personal Christ, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To the uneducated, he's the great teacher. To the thinker, he's the wisest of all. To the sick, he's the great physician. To the architect, he's the chief cornerstone. To the farmer, he's the Lord of the harvest. To the philosopher, he's the great I am. To the reader, he's the author of life. To the widow, he's the kinsman redeemer. To the biologist, he's the genesis of life. To the orphan, he's an everlasting father. To the refugee, he's a strong tower. To the fearful, he is fearless. To the lost, he's the way. To the poor, he is rich. To the hurt, he's the comforter. To the gardener, he's the rose of Sharon. To the herdsman, he's a great shepherd. To the stranger, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. To the helpless, he's a very present help. To the thirsty, he's living water. To the bound, he's freedom. To the weary, he's rest. To the empty, he fills. To the downcast, he's the glory. To the weak, he's a warrior. To the proud, he's a servant. To the sinner, he's a savior. To me, he's my Lord. His name is Jesus. Man, I wish I'd have wrote that. Can I, can I quote him a little bit more? He was a human child and a divine son. He was wounded by Satan, but he crushed Satan. He was the judge of men, yet was led from one court to another. He was crucified on Calvary, yet was the Savior of all. He died and was buried, yet he lives. He had no sin in him, yet the sin of the whole world was put on him. He saved others, yet refused to save himself. 
He was wisdom incarnate, yet allowed himself to be mocked as a fool. He was the king of glory, yet he wore a crown of thorns. He was the prince of peace, but was arrested for disturbing the peace. He was the prince of life, but died at Calvary. He was the lion of the tribe of Judah, yet was a lamb led to the slaughter. He was the one who poured all the lakes, rivers, and oceans, yet on the cross cried, I thirst. He came from glory, put on humanity, that we might put on divinity. He became the son of man, that we might become the sons of God. He was rich, but for our sake became poor, that we through his poverty could be made rich. He created the stars, yet pushed back the stars to be born in a stable. He put on corruptible flesh that we might put on an incorruptible body. He put on a mortal body that we might put on immortality. He has a name that's far above every other name. His name is... I wish somebody'd shout his name right now. When you find Jesus, you found a friend. An Englishman wrote, Jesus, lover of my soul. An American wrote, Jesus, there's something about that name. A Canadian wrote, what a friend we have in Jesus. A German wrote, a mighty fortress is our God. A Frenchman wrote, Jesus, the very thought of thee. A Swedish man wrote, how great thou art. A Welshman wrote, guide me, great Jehovah. A Scotsman wrote, beneath the cross of Jesus. An Australian wrote, shout to the Lord. But wherever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you've been to, there's nothing like Jesus. He is the God of everyone, everywhere. There's no one. There's no one. There's no one like Jesus. I was lost, but now I'm sanctified justified by the name of Jesus Christ. You don't have to remember my name, but don't ever forget his. You don't have to know the name of famous people in this world, but don't ever forget his name. If you'll call his name in trouble, he shows up wherever you are. I've heard stories from people in this very church that while they were bound and doing drugs, that Jesus began to speak to them while they were in the drug house. That while they were far from God and they were distant from Him, He began to speak with them in their bondage. Jesus is not afraid to come to where you are. The enemy wants you to feel like He's in control. He wants you to feel like you have to cower down in fear. But if you know the name of Jesus, every devil in hell trembles at the mention of his name. You can be in the worst situation, but if you can let your lips say the name of Jesus Christ, he's a very present help in the time of trouble. When you're broken, say Jesus, and he'll start to put your life together again. When you're empty, say Jesus, and he'll start to fill you with his grace. It's all in the name of Jesus. Can I preach a few more minutes to you? John 8.32 says, you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. The truth, everybody say the truth, truth. Shall make you free. John 14 and 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
If you've got Jesus, you've got the way. If you've got Jesus, you've got the truth. And if you've got Jesus, you've got the life. In the Old Testament, people who experienced him knew him to be a healer. He healed Naaman the leper. He healed the waters of Mara. He healed the widow of Zarephath. His, but his name was not healer. They knew him as a deliverer. He parted the Red Sea. He drowned Pharaoh's army. He rolled back the Jordan River. He brought down the walls of Jericho. But deliverer is not his name. They knew him as a help in trouble. He sent the plagues on Egypt, was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He was water from the rock and he was the fourth man in the fire, but helper was not his name. All those words describe his as nature, his attributes. But when you need him in an instant, you don't have to go down through the list of all of his attributes. All you got to do is find that one word that when you say that one word, it brings all his attributes into play. When you are in trouble, you don't have time to say healer, helper, deliverer, savior. But if you've got time to say Jesus, you've got enough time to say everything that you need. Like they sang a while ago, there's victory in the name of Jesus. I've come to preach the most powerful thing that will ever come out of your lips is the name of Jesus Christ. If you'll speak his name, devils start to tremble. Oh, God. Hallelujah. I, I, I hesitate to tell this story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. I was preaching at a camp meeting many years ago and, uh, in, in, my, in, in my, my young single days. And, uh, and there was a girl at this particular camp meeting that was possessed by a demon. And I watched her writhe on the floor like a serpent. And I heard this, this, this girl, this petite young girl, speak out in a, in a gravelly man's voice. They were trying to cast the devil out of her. And they were doing all kinds of stuff. And, the, and I heard that girl, a, a petite young girl, that she said, oh, I'm not coming out. Well, you might not, but I might in a minute. <laughs> Cut marks all over her arms. Tormented and bound by the devil. People praying for her, called on the name of Jesus over her. And it didn't seem to do any good. And while all the young preachers were trying their best to help her, an older preacher just walked up on the scene and he said, Sweetheart, say Jesus. And all of a sudden that girl started crying. And he said, I'm not talking to you, devil. I'm talking to the girl. Say Jesus. And she started to move those lips. And she said, Jesus. And as soon as she said it, that devil laid, let her loose. And God, peace came on her. And that old preacher began to talk to her about repentance. And when she repented, she lifted up her hands. And after she repented, God filled her with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Because there's power 
in the name of Jesus. If your life is bound by the devil, there's power in Jesus' name. If your life is tormented by hell, you ought to just say Jesus right now. You ought to speak it over your marriage. You ought to speak it over your children. You ought to speak it over your mind. If you're troubled by anxiety, you ought to say, Jesus, I need you. If it's depression, you ought to say, Jesus, I need you. If it's fear, you ought to call on the name of Jesus. There's power. I wish somebody would say his name right now. I've come to tell you, everything in your life can be broken by the power of Jesus' name. When you need him, just say his name. Matthew 1, 21, she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name. For he shall save his people from their sins. When you speak his name, you're bringing every attribute that he has into the equation there's power in the name of Jesus. Acts 4 and 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's the name of Jesus that saves. Hallelujah. Can I tell somebody today? Can I tell somebody if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, you ought to get baptized in his name today because there's not power in the word father and there's not power in the word son and there's not power in the words holy ghost but there's power in the name of jesus that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name it's in the name of jesus you may say well preacher i got baptized at the denominational church in town or i got baptized in the denominational church down the road or in another place if they didn't say the name of Jesus, they didn't baptize you, my friend. I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news. They made you wet, but they didn't baptize you. Because baptism must be in the name of Jesus Christ. But when you go down in water and the name of Jesus is spoken over you, there is power to remit. Woo, hallelujah. Somebody's going to have their sins washed away. in the Middle East in Beirut several years ago, one of my early trips. And in one of those trips, we had somebody that came to church. And Brother Azar has always said, he said, Brother, we can't teach a, a, a Muslim a Bible study because they don't believe in the Bible. He said, we can't teach them a Bible study because they don't believe that the Bible is truly the salvation word of God. And I said, so what do you do? He said, well, one thing that I do is I pray that when people get hungry for God, that Jesus will visit them in dreams and tell them that he is the way. And, and in one of those services, in one of those conference services, in the early days when the church was in its infancy and there were just maybe 10 or 15 of, of them and there would be 80 to 100 Muslims that would come just to see what the church was about. And in one of those conferences, there was a man that had been raised in Islam and had never been exposed to the message of Jesus Christ. He had a dream one night of a man named Jesus that said, Come 
to me. And so he tried to find a church, and he happened to see the sign for the apostolics of Beirut. And he came in, and he said, Jesus told me that I need him, and I've come to find Jesus. His life was bound by false religion. His life was bound by sin, but he went down in water. And when they said the name of Jesus, he came up with joy and God filled him with the Holy Ghost in that water because there's something about the name. Woo! Hallelujah! Of Jesus. I'm telling you, there's liberty in this place today. In Jesus' name. There's deliverance in this place. In Jesus' name. Philippians 2, 9. Wherefore God has also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in the earth, things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's all about Jesus. Can I preach a few more minutes? I know my, my sermons lately been longer than, than well, they've all, always been long, but they've been longer. There's healing in Jesus' name. Acts 3 and 6, then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have Give I thee in the name. Everybody say in the name. Say in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple walking, leaping and praising God. Can I tell somebody, your healing is in this place in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. If you need healing, you ought to just touch whatever part of your body needs healing. And you ought to say in Jesus' name. You ought to speak it out in Jesus' name. Come on, say his name, Jesus. You're a healer. God, I know your name's not healer, but your name is Jesus. And Jesus is a healer. There's salvation in his name. Acts 2, 37, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized. Every one of you. Hallelujah. Woo, hallelujah. Amen, Brother Kevin. I'm excited. We got that LED wall. I think it's in Mississippi now, isn't it? Hopefully someday soon it'll be up here. Because I wish that scripture was up there for everybody to see. Because there's power in the word of God. Amen. It says, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter what the denomination says. Doesn't matter what some ancient church says. It matters what the Word of God says. And the Bible says, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Can I tell somebody, if you'll get baptized in Jesus' name, your life is going to turn around. 
Your life is going to be set on the right path. Your life is going to be better because of the power of Jesus' name. Baptize every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Paul wrote to Timothy, 1 Timothy 1.15. This is a faithful saying. And worthy of all acceptation. He said, what I'm saying is faithful. It's always, it always works. It's always right. Always. It's faithful. And worthy of all acceptation. Everybody ought to accept what I'm getting ready to say. That's what he just said. That Christ Jesus came into the world. To save sinners. Hallelujah. Now look, if you're not a sinner, if you've never been a sinner, if you weren't born in sin, then this verse has nothing for you. But if you were born in sin, then this verse is the best news you ever had. Jesus, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. I'm glad he's a healer. I'm glad he gives peace to the depressed. I'm glad he gives joy to the downhearted and discouraged. I'm glad he's he calms the storms of life. I'm glad he mends families and marriages. I'm glad he is a healer of, of diseases. I'm glad he blesses people financially. But I'm most glad that he came to save a sinner. Amen. Hallelujah. Doctors can heal sicknesses, but they can't save a soul. Psychologists can help depression, but they can't save a soul. Things can bring joy in life, but they can't save the joy. The soul investing can help your finances, but it can't save your soul. Only Jesus can save your soul. Amen. Positive thinking can't save your soul. Denominationalism can't save your soul. Jesus is the only one that can save your soul. And the good news is that Jesus came to save sinners. He came. I'm going to tell you, I'm glad that you all look so good and got dressed up and came to church and I'm glad that you're all here. And I'm glad that everybody looks so great. But can I tell the one that feels like you don't fit in with all these people that, that have been around church forever. And you feel like church is for them and not for you. Can I tell you that you're in the right place because Jesus is here for you. But his primary purpose is to save somebody. You can be broken, wounded, full of sin, dirty beyond, beyond recognition. But Jesus came for you. You can be far from God, but God came for you. You can be distant from Him, but He's here right now for you. Stand with me. I've only got six more pages of notes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your saving name.
Somebody ought to just lift their hands to heaven and begin to say his name over your life. If you're afraid of your future, you ought to just speak his name. You ought to claim the name of Jesus over your lost children right now. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, be the healer today. Let's pray a few more moments. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. Come on, I'm, I'm taking some time here because I feel like the Holy Ghost is dealing with hearts. single person in this place that is beyond the reach of Jesus Christ. There's nobody here that's done so much that he doesn't still love you and want you to come back to him. much the world would hate him. He could look ahead in time and see the bloodthirsty cries. Crucify him. He knew the depth of sin. Yet he came for the sinner. He's a life changer today. Here's how I want to do the altar call. Let me go all the way back to this list from 1 Corinthians in our text. Fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, abusers of themselves with mankind, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners. A laundry list of sins. have anyone here that was an alcoholic before Jesus found you, I want you to make your way to the altar. Press in close. 
any drug addicts. Anybody bound by false religion. Come on, don't, don't be shy. Because your testimony of what God's done in your life is the encouragement that somebody needs to know that they're not too far gone. Any backsliders that got away from God after having been filled with the heavenly gift, come on. Press your way in close. Press your way in close. Keep coming. Your life, your testimony. Anybody bound by sin, bound by discouragement, bound by this world, lost without hope. And Jesus found you. Make your way down. Press in close. Let's not clog up the aisles. Let's get close. So far from God, had done so much, so bound, so broken. Lost, hopeless, empty. Let my family down. Let my church down. Let God down. A whole list of sins. And such. We're some of you. And such were some of you. Actually, all those years you put that stuff into your body. And patiently God waited for you to get sick and tired of it. Call all those years you lived not even knowing him. Yet he waited patiently all those years. David, come to this church as a little boy, got out in that world, and all those years lost in sin. But in the back of your mind, Jesus kept always reminding you, didn't he? And brought you home. Isn't that awesome? One after the other, after the other. I just want you to look around and understand something. And such were some of you. But ye are washed. so hot that I, my muscles started cramping. It is 
I worked and finally got tired of working and I looked over and saw that water dirty as I was as worn out as I was it took just a little bit of being in that water before I started feeling better but ye are washed can I tell somebody you can let the Holy Ghost touch you right now and within just a few moments you will feel the cleansing washing but now are you washed and sanctified and justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. I want you to lift your hands all over this place. Even if you're not in the altar, I'd like for you to lift your hand to heaven and I'd like for you just to say his name over your life. He's the answer, my friend. It's not in a bottle. It's not in a pill. It's not in a powder. It's not in a person. It's Jesus. He's the solution to your torment. He's the solution to the anxiety and the turmoil and the chaos that's taking place in your life. Oh, Jesus, I pray you'd move in this room right now. Jesus, I pray, God, that, the, that you would touch these people as we call on your name. I wish you'd speak his name right now. I wish you'd just talk to him and say, Jesus, I need you. My life's been a mess. I got stuff going on. But that preacher told me you were the answer, so I'm speaking your name over my circumstances right now. I'm speaking your name over my trouble and distress and my heartache and my brokenness. I'm speaking your name over my life that's been so messed up for so long. I'm speaking your name to give peace in my mind. Oh, Jesus, come on, say his name out loud. There's power.
this is altar time right now. There, there, there's nothing else has to happen but a yielding to the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus. Victory in the name of Jesus. Oh, I speak Jesus over Brother Victory in the name.
come up. And uh, asked him if he wanted to say it, and he didn't refuse, and so that went as a yes. Amen. Tell him, tell him. They've been singing about there's victory in the name of Jesus. told my wife when we were sitting here earlier, I said, uh, I said, today it's been exactly five years since I've drank a drop of alcohol. And they've been singing, there's victory in the name of Jesus. I don't care what you're going through. He's here and he's just waiting on you. If you need something, he's right here. Just reach out for him. Just call on the name of Jesus because there's power in his name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a great hand for what he's done. Hallelujah. I believe there's going to be a turning point for somebody in this service this morning. This was the turning point for somebody in this service. Amen. Shout Jesus. Shout it louder. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen you haven't been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you need to be baptized immediately. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That's the only thing that's going to remit your sins. We were born in sin, shaping in iniquity. That will wash away all of our sins. Amen. Let's remember first steps immediately after service. If you're new, you want to know what we're all about. Uh, learn where you fit in. We have first steps immediately following over across the other way. And you may be dismissed in the name of Jesus Christ. Come prepared to worship the Lord tonight. 6.30, 6 o'clock prayer. Bring your tithes as unto the Lord. Amen.